Hey listeners, I'm Jeff Hughes and I'm back with a brand new episode of the Writer's Show podcast. If you're new to the show, this is the podcast where I get to talk to writers about the art and the business of writing and publishing. You know, there's many that have the desire to write a book, but there's fewer that actually commit their bum to a chair for a couple of years to get it done. So I get to talk to them, ask questions that maybe I'm hoping you might find interesting and inspiring to your own journey to writing your book. Let's get on with it. On today's show, I'm talking to Michael Feidler, who is about to release his debut novel, It's called Spin, and it's a hilarious look at the world of corporate marketing, skullduggery, and spin doctoring. Welcome to the show, uh, Michael Feidler on The Writer Show, um, talking about his new book, Spin. What inspired you to write Spin and what message do you hope readers take away from it? Hey Jeff, uh, look at what inspired me to write it. It's, it's first and foremost, it's meant to be a fun read. It's meant to be a read that you could, um, that you can easily digest over a commute or while laying in bed, trying to get to sleep. For example, it is not meant to be heavy going. It's not a, it's not a heavy read by any stretch. Um, it is a satirical comedy and it is about a young guy whose life is slowly unraveling. You know, he didn't get the promotion that he wanted. He's broken up with his girlfriend. He's been, um, he's realizing that, you know, a childhood dream of his to become a musician is slowly fading into the distance. He's 33 years old and he feels like his life is halfway over. Um, so there's this slow spiral um, and there's this frustration, you know, that life is not panning out as he'd like it to. And um, But things take a turn and he starts taking advantage of it. So it's it was it, it, the, the background in terms of the book was uh, me – at that particular age and going through some fairly uh, a fairly similar situation. I mean, I started writing this 10 years ago, Jeff, so it was about 2013 and I was working for a US multinational, um, great people there, but um, management had decreed that, you know, we would get to a certain level of earnings per share as a target. Um, so it all became about, you know, largely around cost cutting, increasing profits and employees being the largest, you know, chunk of the expense on the balance sheet, you know, we were we were treated as an expense rather than an asset. So um, it became this situation, a fairly unpleasant situation where every quarter um, you'd see, you know, you'd see colleagues and team members and friends being, you know, slowly, you know, walked out the door. Yeah. Um, for, for myself in particular, I had a small team of people. I had, you know, a small group of Australians that I managed and a small group of an Indian team that I managed as well. Um, the Indians were relatively safe because they, they certainly did not cost the same as an Australian did in terms of an income, right, or salary. But um, the Australians were cannon fodder. And, and um, every quarter I was making someone redundant, which was just a horrible place to be and a horrible situation. I hated every minute of it. Yeah. It's um, and no, not at all. And then the irony was, was as well, it was, actually what became quite funny, you know, in hindsight was that, you know, after making the entire Australia team redundant, um, I was tapped on the shoulder by my manager saying, now it's your turn. 
<laughs> and that was it. That was that, that. That's when I started writing. Actually, I started writing it during that whole this this whole downward spiral. And it's like this is yeah. this is is it was corporate. It was a fairly at that point just negative place to work. Didn't want to be there. By the time I was tapped on the shoulder, I was ready to go anyway. So happy to take a package and go. Um, but yeah, the, it was the it was the the whole at that point the corporate gig was not was not suiting me particularly well and and my side hustle has always been writing i love writing um i've done you know script work with you know small production house here in sydney and i do i write scripts for you know the current company i work with telstra so i've written a few um few pieces for them which is fantastic i love that creative side of things um so it's marrying i think you know what was going on at the time with um, with the job, um, being fairly unhappy with what was going on there and doing this side hustle, I think, just to maintain my sanity. And that's where the book came about. So it was really just an amalgam of all that stuff that came together. So 10 years later, the book is, the book is good to go and I'm actually very happy with it. It's a good achievement. And in, in spin, you you explore the role of spin doctors and how yes. they manipulate the media to shape public opinion. What drew you to this topic and what ah. surprised you the most during your research? So so I've been in marketing. I studied marketing at university. I've always, as I said, I love the creative side of things. That's why I'm there. Um, it was either going to be marketing or advertising. So, but... Um, yeah, marketing landed landed in a role um, when I first finished university. Um, actually, a furniture company, Parker Furniture, before they before they um, closed up. That was a really good experience there. But yeah, from there on, it's just been it's it's been marketing. It has been it's largely been business to business marketing, but marketing is all about understanding the customer, um, building products that suit that customer need and hopefully fulfilling the promise to that customer and marketing, you know, fits in across all of those. So it's, it's always been a passion of mine. Yeah. Um, this whole spin doctoring thing is, is it's interesting in that our, our former prime minister was a marketer, which I <laughs> somewhat apologize for. Uh, so <laughs> your he, fault. Made, <laughs> he didn't do us any favors. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I do love the marketing side of things. I've never been keen on being being a seller. It's always been around marketing, but I do love working with sales. But yeah, it's just that background, understanding marketing, understand where it fits into the whole thing, and actually weaving in a few examples throughout the book as well, which was good fun. You know, the best and best and worst of marketing I've included in some of the books, and I have changed names to uh, protect the guilty. Mm -hmm. So some some of your backgrounds also in public relations and journalism. How, how's, yes. how has that informed the book? Yeah, so so that's that's also again it, it just all it, it all funnily enough it all weaved in quite nicely. I'm not quite sure how it happened because the reason why the book took ten years we've just we've had two boys, two lovely boys, Darcy's twelve, Eamon's ten. So I started writing this when uh, just about Eamon was a baby, so my timing could not have been worse. My, it meant that uh, meant that my writing time was limited to largely two a.m. Uh, in morning, you know, most mornings. Um, so I am surprised that given most of the writing was done in the middle of the night when I was probably half asleep, that it's actually 
that it's actually come together as fluidly as what it has. And um, yeah, obviously since then there's been a number of drafts and I've involved a number of editors um, that have worked in the industry, know what they're talking about. So there's been a lot of tailoring since, but um, yeah, I am, I'm surprised that, that it is actually, it actually makes any sense whatsoever to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. Jeff. <laughs> well, you've done a good job. What, one of the main characters in Spin is a journalist who grapples with the ethics of the profession without giving Yeah, yeah, so, yes, yes. How did you balance the need for a compelling story with the need to accurately depict the realities of modern journalism? So uh, yeah, more to do with marketing than journalism, but but yeah, the, the uh, in terms of that balance, I think the harder balancing act was um, was making sure that the character you know didn't that I wasn't over playing the character a little bit. So in the initial few chapters, you know, you're meant to feel you know he's fairly downbeat, you know, things have gone wrong for him. He's not quite, you know, he's not quite, he's lost his mojo. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, through this turning point, I won't tell you what it is, but you know, the tables turn and all of a sudden he is, he becomes more empowered. Um, and, and in, in that respect, he starts to take advantage of that power and the the interesting balancing act, the harder balancing act for me was to work out at what point do I, and this was good fun, but it was, it was a challenge, was, okay, so he's now taking advantage of people. You know, he's now the boss and now he can screw people over like he was being screwed over. And, and he does do that at times throughout the book. So it's never been spirited. I made, made sure he wasn't a nasty, he's never nasty, but at the same time, he becomes petty and somewhat vindictive, and it was that it was that juggle. And I knew, I knew, actually, after the first draft, I had no idea whether I'd done that juggling act, whether I'd gotten that right or not, because oh. it was a tightrope. But Bernadette Foley, so Bernadette edited the first draft. She was was also the editor on Hell Has Harbour Views, the the book, a similar sort of vein around the legal oh, yeah. professional. Um, so Bernadette had some really interesting feedback and she said at certain points, look, now at this point, you know, I hate the character. He's irredeemable, you know, and that's what, that's what I knew, you know, it's like let's wind it back a little bit. And it all came, it does, did come down to language. But, yeah, it was it – was, that was the struggle for me. It's like how far do I take this? It was good fun making him, you know, making him – he was is never the antagonist, but he he does make questionable decisions, and that was good fun. But it was yeah, that was that was to me that was the challenge. So the, the book's also been described as a political thriller. What were some of the challenges you faced when writing a novel in this genre? Yeah, so it was so corporate politics. Absolutely, um, the the challenges for me. I think one was finding that time to write because it's, it's, you know, it's a side hustle. It's, it's not my full-time job, you know, got a, got a, got kids, got a family, got a full-time job on the side. So it's a full-time job, full stop. So that's finding the time to write. That was the challenge. Um, Getting to, I suppose, weaving all the elements together and making it coherent was an interesting 
challenge in itself. Um, and then, yeah, by the end of it, it's just like, how on earth, you know, once, once I've written it, it's just like, when, when do I know that I've, I've put it in a hundred percent, you know, when is it good to go? And when, when am I happy to start showing this to people? Cause that was, that was it too. It's just like, I've been writing this now for, you know, at that point it was, you know, nine years. Is it, yeah. Is it, when's it finished? You know, should I keep going back and rewriting it? You know, because it could go on forever and seriously could have. The book's, of course, set in Australia, but it deals with universal themes of power, corruption and the media. Yeah. How do you think the story of Spin will resonate with readers outside of Australia? I think I think the themes are universal. I, you can see right now in the IT industry, there's a ton of companies that are making staff redundant. Um, it's, it's largely because a lot of them put on, put on, you know, a whole bunch of employees during COVID and now they've, now they've, now the staff's too big and they are looking at cost cutting. Again, the first place to look at cost cutting is among staff. So that's why you're getting thousands of people, um, let go. So it's, while it's an Australian book in an Australian setting, um, I think corporate politics, um, resonates you know across most western countries and that's that's why i think would translate how, how do you think the rise of social media has um impacted yeah. today's society social media is an interesting one jeff i i'm not i've i've said uh, i've debated this with friends and colleagues it's just like would the world be better is would the world actually be better off if there wasn't social media you know as has it actually been a net gain or a net loss for humanity and you can argue both sides um i think social media in the right hands is great in the wrong hands it can be very dangerous and that's been proven over the last couple of years particularly amongst you know when you start talking politics so i don't think i've got a i don't think i've got an answer for that it just it's just it's just changed things um somewhat for the better somewhat for the worse what books and authors have inspired you um yeah in writing yeah. spin who, who are your uh, sources of inspiration i love yeah i love fun reads that's what I honestly, I don't, I, I don't mind a challenging read. I don't mind autobiographies, but, um, you know, in terms of, in terms of, um, reads, they've got to be, for the most part, they're fun, you know? So I love Nick Hornby. I mean, my favorite book of all time is probably High Fidelity, um, oh, yeah, which is just yeah. a fantastic book. And that's honestly, when I started writing this one, um, it started with a breakup scene. I go, am I sounding like a poor man's Nick Hornby? Um, <laughs> and luckily I did find a voice, so it was different. But, yeah, Nick Hornby, absolutely fantastic. Read, I've read a lot of his stuff. Nick Earls, great, um, great Australian writer. So um, yeah. one okay. of his first books, yeah, Bachelor Kisses. That I, yeah. I've not read that for years, but I remember reading that going, yeah, that, that actually struck me. Maybe it was the, at the age that I was reading it, but that struck me. And I'm sure if I were to reread it, I'd go, yeah, actually, this is I've probably, there's probably nuances in spin that came from Nichols many, many years ago that are embedded in the subconscious. The, um, so between the two Nicks and a third person, which would be completely left of centre, would be uh, Ayn Rand. You know, Atlas Shrugged and the Fountainhead. Yeah. So, have you ever read Ayn Rand? Okay, no. So she's okay. So she is completely. So she she is not a fun read. She is. She did. Um, 
you know, these books, 1940s, 1950s, I'm thinking Fountainhead, Atlas Shrugged, they are massive tomes. And she was a, um, she was a Russian born writer that moved to the US. So she thought capitalism was, you know, the bee's knees, absolutely fantastic. She founded her own um, philosophy called objectivism. And it was all about selfishness being a positive character trait. And it was their amazing reads these days. They are very dated, but at the same time, some of the corporate politics and some of the some of some of the scenes that she writes are really powerful. And um, yeah, you need to be in the mood for Ayn Rand. Uh, they're not fun reads. And they're not they're not reads that you put you know that you, that you like, that that you um. They're not they're not bedtime reads, put it that way. But I I do love that work. Ein's work. So yeah, that would be probably my top three. But mainly fun. That's what it, that's what it's about for me. Fun movies, fun books. It's if if you're not having fun reading or writing, then then yeah, this there's, there's something gone wrong. And I know if I, that's that's actually that's I kind of knew I was on the right track with this book actually when I'm I'm writing some of these characters and one character in particular is this. The, this biggest corporate tosser that you will ever meet, his name's Mark <laughs> McNamara, and he just comes out with the, the most inane garbage ever. And it was funny in that I'm writing it and I was laughing to myself. Go, and it, wasn't even, it didn't even feel like writing. It felt like I was just transcribing what he was telling me because it's, it's you know, he's it's, it's the sort of character that you will meet in a corporate environment. You know, he's all about managing managing upwards. He can talk complete garbage, but he gets away oh, with yes, it yes, because yes. he's so uber confident, you know. Um, but as he, as he's as he's talking, I'm just laughing to myself. I'm going, this is this is awesome. So I know, like, I've done enough script writing to know if I can make myself laugh while I'm writing, that I'm kind of on the right track. And and every time he appeared, it's like, yeah, he's that's he's a good character. He's working for me. Yes, I, I think anybody <laughs> anybody that's worked in the corporate world would have uh, worked with someone like Mark. Um, yes, I, yes, I worked in a. Without naming names, listeners, a very large um, energy company in New South Wales. I wonder who that could be, but we won't name <laughs> names. But uh, I worked with them for quite a while. And we were managed by a guy. And whenever there was a team meeting, this particular manager was genius at just talking word salad in management yes. speak without actually yes. saying anything. So um, me and a colleague invented the game of uh, meeting cricket where you would um, you'd write a list of cliche uh, management speak cliches and whoever um, got 10, 10 got the innings and won. That sounds so, like bullshit uh, it, bingo. A, a, a bit like bullshit bingo. So every time, <laughs> every time a uh, bit of management ease was spoken, you'd tap your pencil on the uh, sort of like, you know, the ball on the willow. You'd, <laughs> did he know? Did he know you were playing this game in the background? Obviously, no, no, we played it for years. He was never, never the wiser. Never, no, no. That's the thing, right? They're self, self-absorbed. That you know, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter. I mean, they, they're not waiting for you to speak. They just, you know, they, they just like hearing the sound of their own voice. No, it always fascinated, fascinated me. Like, uh, like people like that, they can talk the talk, and they rise to the top. 
like Swiss they do. Like, yeah. Well, everything. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So that <laughs> anyway, he, he's he's the antagonist. It's funny because he's the antagonist through the the first half of the book. The second half of the book, there's a new antagonist who's actually a bit more serious, you know. But I like between you and me, I think the the secret between like a book that works and a book that doesn't, or a book that's like a, a little bit flat. Um, if you don't have a great antagonist, you don't have a great book. And and like same with movies as well. It's just like the difference. And I'm sorry, I, I should have mentioned Ian Fleming as well. I love Ian Fleming's James Bonds, and I've got a whole bunch of those like as first editions, oh, yeah. all the hard Fantastic. copies from the '60s. They're great. Um, but the difference between some of Ian Fleming's James Bond books is the antagonist, because the character doesn't change. You know, there's some awesome. I mean, you've got the best best James Bonds. You know, there's there's Goldfinger, there is Dr. No, um, the guys that you remember, they're, they're the great antagonists. Yeah. The um, uh, Blofeld's another one. The, the Ian Fleming, James Bonds that don't work so well are the ones where the antagonist is kind of like, you yeah, know, just a little bit boring, you know, just a little bit flat, like Man with the Golden Gun. It's just like, yeah, it's not quite, he doesn't quite hit his mark. And it's got nothing to do with the character of James Bond. It's got everything to do with the villain. So honestly, I reckon if you if you get the if you if you can make that villain obviously they've got to be human you know they can't just be a cigar chopping bad guy but um, if you can get the antagonist obviously you know got some sort of motivation behind him got a bit of meat to the bone but you know if you can get the antagonist right then then you're on your way to a fantastic book and so yeah for for mine I had two there was the one not so serious one the Mark McNamara who still sticks around but you know the second half of the book becomes more about Victor King who really is you know a mean and nasty um yeah corporate corporate he's not quite a corporate raider but he's he's someone that you know you wouldn't you wouldn't trust you wouldn't trust with two bucks to be perfectly honest (laughs) so it's a great achievement self-publishing your first book what what advice would you give to uh, people going down this track? It would okay. So my advice is um, stick with it. So persistence is everything. Um, now don't give up if that's your passion. You've got to you'd, you'd regret it forever. I think if you if you're halfway through a book and you don't complete it, that's my advice. I'd stick with it. That's one thing. Two, when you're ready, uh, get advice from industry professionals. So I mentioned Bernadette. So Bernadette was great in terms of giving me that new perspective. Honestly, after the first draft, um, which was 88,000 words, I didn't know what was good, what was working, what wasn't working, because you've got so much stuff that's on the page. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, and, and she came at it with a like a really fresh perspective, and I needed that advice. It's like, she, she, I mean, her her guidance was. You know, why? what are the relationships between, you know, this character and this character? Why does she stick up for him? Why does he hate her? Whatever it is. It's just like, um, you know, just she delved underneath the covers a little bit and, and helped me realise that, you know, I hadn't quite mapped out um, the characters as fully as what I should. So there was that advice. Um, so, again, I took, you know, I took almost probably about 90, 95% of her advice and put it into the second draft. Um, yeah. And as I think I mentioned previously, just that balancing act, you know, at what point is the character irredeemable because at that point I've gone too far. So I took her advice on that one. Um, that was after the first draft and that was early 2020. Um, and then COVID hit. And then 
for subsequent drafts, I've, I've ran it past a few different people. I mean, um, less so around a full um, a full edit, but more around I ha um, have a, a relationship with uh, Denise O'Hagan. She's written this book on the mini style guide, so I gave Denise a. a copies of various chapters to run it past her. You know, her advice always was show, don't tell. Um, so she helped me get the style right. So it's less about characters, more about the style within the book. Yeah. That was important. Um, uh, my sister-in-law, Louisa, she did a line edit. She did a proofread. So we got it from 88,000 words down to about 80,500. And that were the 80,500 yeah. that really counted. So I was very happy with that. But, yeah, I think the key, key to it was, like, between Bernadette, Denise, Louisa, everything brought some, everyone brought something different to it. Um, yeah, so that would be my other piece of advice is when you're ready, you know, show it to people that know what they're doing um, and not just, not just friends and family, obviously, but people that um, are within the industry have done many, many edits in the past and know, you know, will provide valuable guidance. That's probably the other key, key thing. You just need to know at what point, you know, yeah, I, I certainly, I wouldn't have done it. Um, I wouldn't have shown Bernadette prior to a first draft. You've really got to just nut it out there, get it all on the page and then, and then yeah. take advice. But I've, yeah, I, I would be loath to show anyone like any chapters as you're writing it partway through. I'm not sure that's the right way to go. Tell, tell me about your work process i mean you're, you're holding down a full-time job um how how do you squeeze a novel into that yeah yeah it's as i said like it has to it had to be fun for me otherwise you just wouldn't stick at it for a decade would you so it was <laughs> it's, it's it's it was always it was always it's it's always been fun um it's when you know it's that that time of the night or early morning where you know you've got this idea in your head you just can't you can't let it go and you know you're going to lose it if you go back to bed so i would just get up and write so it's not probably not the recommended way to to write a book like i would love to have be able to dedicate you know one to two hour slot writing time alone um you know, first thing in the morning or something, but you just can't, not when you've got a family. So realistically, yeah. I just fit it in when I could. Um, and, and yeah, yeah just take... What works, works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And honestly, as I, it's funny because as, as I'm writing it, you know, which is the same time I'm, you know, going to work, like the stuff that was happening at work was informing me as well. So it's all kind of, it just fed off each other. So that was nice too. So it wasn't, I was never writing in isolation. I was writing with what was going on, you know, in my life and at work and so forth. Um, yeah, and things just naturally felt like they came together, one with the book and two, I'd, I'd be remiss not to mention the the cover. So the cover yes, is a by, striking cover. It's awesome, isn't it? It's um, So it's done by a, um, a young graphic artist, yeah, Noah, Noah Johnson. He's 22 years old. He lives in the Blue Mountains. And the reason why I came across Noah was it was the beginning of 2022 and Darcy, Eamon, myself, we went to this this um, this comic book shop or pop 
pop culture shop in Lura called Geekdom, and his stuff was hanging on the wall. They just original prints and so forth. It's like that's really cool. I loved his style. It's very it was popish, yeah. um, and that's exactly the kind of style I was looking at. So um, via Geekdom, I got his details. I just sent him an email. He was keen, and yeah, just after it, like he. he completely got it you know where it was meant to head you know in terms of the image and um it didn't take long for him to to put together this cover and it's it's like it's it's perfect it, it just suits the book and it's just um you know they they do say you know don't judge a book by its cover but i think that's bullshit <laughs> it, it, it is bullshit because it, it's marketing right <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you could put it in a blog, you put it in a black sleeve and you'd be selling copies. But um, but, um covers covers jewelry, I go, that looks interesting and you know. Um Yeah. I th- I completely think that it's yeah, it is there is there's so much to be said for a high quality cover. Um some of the back cover as well, like that you probably shouldn't ignore yeah. that either. But yeah, just the the design that got there's a lot of time that you need to put into that just to make sure that um I mean, the blurb's one thing, but just the look and the feel, and it needs to reflect, you know, what's in the book. And if it's yeah. a fun read like this one, you know, we're talking about bright poppy colours. We're not talking about something downbeat. So I think it really is important. And, like, the other thing on the cover, which I kind of had fun with, and we're talking about, you know, a marketing slash spin type um, uh, theme, is that, all over the book, you'll notice, you know, there's national bestseller and there's soon to be a major motion picture and they're all asterisked because that's <laughs> part of the in-joke because on the back page, you know, I'm sorry, on the back cover, I, I put this final asterisk saying, you know, it's not quite true, but it got your attention, you know, and this it's because it's <laughs> called, in marketing well, speak, it's called cut through its spin, right? You know, i.e. it's BS, but... But Finger. again, it's like it just, just, it's just having fun and I think that's what the book's about. Getting back to writing... And, and advice. What what do you think? And this is a question we ask every guest. Mm. What what's the best bit of writing advice you've ever gotten from anybody? Uh, probably came from Denise. Um, she kept on uh, her continual advice was show don't tell, which is which is a fair call because I I was putting in, given my background writing scripts, um, the dialogue was easy dialogue was fast and i had no issues with dialogue whatsoever but turning that and writing a book is obviously dialogue counts for a lot but it's not everything um and having descriptors and putting adjectives in and so forth it was i was never sure that I was undercooking it or overcooking it and whether I should be trusting the audience more as they read it. So her advice continually was, you know, these all these ch- chapters that I said, it's like, show, don't tell, show, don't tell. So in other words, yeah. i.e., just, just remove wherever you can, you know, remove, you know, just clean it up and remove adjectives wherever possible, just, just, make it as as simple as possible and trust the audience because they will get it so that was probably the probably the best piece of advice i got it's good advice i I think um a bit of advice from stephen king i read i think in his book on writing don't don't use a ten dollar word when a ten cent one will do (laughs) that's completely it makes a lot of sense actually (laughs) 
Well, I think a good time to wrap it up. Um, where can people get a copy of Spin and find yeah, out more so, about the book? Yeah, yeah. So I'm currently talking to booksellers at the moment. Um, it will be it will be available through Glee Books. Um, it's also available online. Um, so at spinbook.au. And and yes, but talking to others as well. So uh, hoping to get hoping to get a reasonable amount of distribution amongst local booksellers. But yeah, either way, there's that. There's online. It's um, yeah. This is this is the fun part. This is the this is the marketing side of things, Jeff. So it's available now. It'll be available as at the end of April. Yeah. Fantastic. And what have you got planned for launch? Uh, I got asked that the other day. So I will, we will do a, a launch event, uh, likely timing in May. I haven't worked out the venue yet. As I said, still talking to a few booksellers, so it'll be dependent on that. But yeah, likely May 2023. Um, I would like to do something up, that'd be in Sydney. I would like to do something up also up in the Blue Mountains, given Noah's up there as well. And only yeah. to be fair that, you know, if that we have something for, for Noah as well, that'll be, that'll be the middle of the year. He's currently, or he's about to start traveling through Europe. So that'll that'll be towards the end of the year. Well, Michael, thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. It's been great to chat. Thank you, Jeff. And good luck with spin. A pleasure. Thank you. Hey, that was Michael Feidler. You can get yourself a copy of Spin by visiting Michael's author's website at spinbook.au. That's spinbook.au. While you're on the interwebs, please check out our website for the show, which is uh, thewritersshow.com. All our show notes are here for this episode. Many others um, sign up to our mailing list and good things will come your way. you know Madhouse Media Publishing provides editing, cover design and digital marketing services to help your book stand out in the market. Our team of experts is passionate about helping writers like you achieve success. We will work with you to bring your book to life and make your publishing dreams a reality. So why struggle when you can get the support you need? Call us today, one 300 402-526 or visit madhousemedia.com.au to learn more about how we can help you get your book published. Madhouse Media, your partner in self-publishing success. Hey, that's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm guessing that if you're listening to a podcast about writing and writers, you're either writing your own book or on the pathway to it. Our producers, Madhouse Media Publishing, have some great free content on their blog that can help you. It's called The Right Stuff, and you can find it at madhousemedia.com.au. Check it out. They're fine people, and there's lots of content there. Absolutely free. Keep listening. Keep writing. Till next time. <laughs>